an excellent day for an exorcism. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Hey there everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Horror Crypt Podcast, episode number 99. Hooray! Woohoo! Now this week's episode, I'm still trying, I'm still on the fence about it, I'm really, I really am. I do like the movie, I like the premise of the movie, I think it takes a lot back from 1978, and I'll tell you exactly why I'm saying 1978 in a little while but this movie was released on may the 24th 2019 it runs for 90 minutes now the budget for this movie was between six and twelve million dollars but it took at the box office 32.9 million so really in all honesty it made a pretty good return on the uh, the budget that they had what movie am i talking about right now well i am going to be doing the 2019 movie brightburn now it's a superhero slash horror film um and it really does detract from the fact that we all believe that if there's superheroes in the world or if you know someone came to the earth that was very much like superman that they would be on our side they would right you know right the wrong they would be you know our savior well this one is the anti savior this is one that comes to earth but is completely the wrong direction of being a superhero but i really do like the premise of this movie because it does show you from a different point of view as i said superman we always believe is going to be the person that will look after us and protect us and things like that so what would ever happen if this happened in reverse and the person that came to earth was actually a villain and an unstoppable villain at that because this kid even though in the movie he's only 12 years of age as he grows and matures you know he is going to be i mean he's extremely powerful now can you imagine what he's going to be like when he's in his middle 20s early 30s you know but then again we don't know how he i mean in the movie he ages like everyone else does he goes from we see him as a baby and 12 years later so he does seem to age the same way as as you know mortals do but with this extraordinary abilities that he's got but as i said the movie i like it i'm i'm still on the fence of whether i love it but i do know that i like this movie they've got some great gore in it i i love the uh the the eye scene that they have and for the lesser part i like the broken jaw scene that they have and i'll tell you more about that as we go further and further into the podcast now before i get started on this podcast i know there is a number of you that have been having some trouble with emailing me at horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com so to simplify it for everyone i have got a brand new email address it is creepy at the horrorcrypt.com so you can email me there and i'm going to be starting in the next couple of weeks or even as soon as someone emails me a listener episode so basically you pick the movie for me you tell me what movie i'm going to be watching i will do it that will become your episode i'll give you a shout out and i'll either curse you for making me watch it or absolutely send love and affection to you for making me watch it but this is going to be you know whenever you anyone emails me if they want to do a listener episode just recommend one to me i will let you know which one i'm going to be doing and i'll give you the shout out as far as this is your episode but i just thought i might change it up a little bit so remember creepy at thehorrorcrypt.com that is my direct email now you can also ask me there for t-shirts and baseball caps i know every other podcast in the world does that as a sort of a treat so you know i'm sorry if i'm one of those regular people that offer these things i'm not you know i'm not offering stickers and stuff like that but you know if you do want to wear something of mine a t-shirt or a baseball cap or even a beanie they look very very nice and they're very reasonably priced so i'm not pushing that on to you if you don't want to buy it that's fine i'll also never as i said to you before i'm never going to go down the path of a patreon um you know subscription i don't believe that anyone who does podcasting is doing it i mean okay there are people that do do it for financial gain but in all honesty i sit here in the studio just talking and i love what i do i really enjoy doing podcasts and i'm going to be basically you know carried off kicking and screaming because i don't want to ever stop this podcast but eventually one day i can almost guarantee that it will happen but i'm not here to make some sort of financial you know windfall i love it i do it because i love it so going down the the road of patreon and saying okay you guys have to donate you know two dollars a week or two dollars a month you know to my um channel i don't i don't see that as viable i really don't see 
there's any reason for it. I put out all the content, I put out all the episode, all the stuff that I've got in my in my studio, I've bought, it's all on my back. If I didn't want to do it, I wouldn't do podcasting. But I do it because I absolutely love it. So as I said, if you want to get in contact with me for a listener pick, creepy at thehorrorcrypt.com. That's my email address. And remember, I've also got Facebook, Horror Crypt Podcast, and the Horror Crypt Cafe. So you can join me there. You can join other like-minded people that love this uh, podcast. And we've got a really great um, you know, uh, community there. So you feel free to join anytime look before we get started on this movie and as i said i'm really i'm still on the fence of whether i love this movie or not but i do know i like it but i'm 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 still on the fence but i it may give me a couple more times that i have to watch this movie but uh you know i'm gonna go go with it and say i really do like it and we'll leave it at leave it at that before we get started we've got to listen to the uh, trailer so sit back and relax because here is 2019 brightburn Now, the similarities between this movie, Brightburn, and Superman 1978 is absolutely uncanny. And I will tell you, well, actually, I'll let you listen as we go along. There is a segment of the movie where he's, uh, where Tori, the mother of this movie, is talking to her son, Brandon, which is, you know, eventually becomes Brightburn, about him. And then I'm going to play the sound grab to the conversation that Clark Kent has with his father. And it is virtually identical but you know we'll, we'll get to it so the movie opens up where we're introduced to this couple tori and kyle briar and uh the movie is basically telling us that they're having trouble conceiving a child because on every part of the bookshelf there is something to do with fertility and the lack of uh, <laughs> possibility of having a child and you know and you hear them saying you know or the, the husband saying oh you know, maybe we'll get lucky this time and it'll happen. And she's like, why don't we just enjoy ourselves and fool around, really? And that's really all it is. You know, if you're so hyper-focused on getting pregnant, I guess, you know, when you're so, you know, into you definitely want a child right in, right here and now, you know, it just doesn't happen because I, I guess, you know, you're so overhyped on trying to get a child. So, you know, there's Tori saying, come on, let's just fool around and have a great, you know, just enjoy ourselves. And this is something that I do not understand. And maybe there are guys in the audience that can tell me this thing. Okay, so they're getting into it. They're starting to get all. And as they're getting into it, she is caught on his 
wristwatch. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, okay, I understand that she was, you know, straddled over him with her socks on. And that's no no big deal. That's fine. But why is it that some guys cannot take off their watch? Now, I've got uh, I've got a chain around my neck, but that's neither here nor there. But why do you guys, <laughs> why do guys have wristwatches on and they wear them to bed? Now, I, I don't know. I, I've never done it. As soon as I get into bed, I take my wristwatch off and I leave it on the side uh, side of the bed. I don't you know, I, I don't wear it to bed, so I don't know why this this happens. But you know, she's like, you know, you, I'm caught on your watch. So there goes the mood right then and there. And then you can you can sort of feel that there, or you can hear that there's some rumbling going on. Then it stops. And you know, Tori says to Kyle, "Did you did you feel that?" And he's like, well, "No, well, I didn't feel it, but whatever it was, it's probably stopped now." Then all of a sudden, there's this almost this huge explosion on the house, where we see that all the lights go out and then the lights come back on. And in the distant field where they're, because they're in Kansas, um, in Brightburn, Kansas, so in the forest where they're living, you can see this red glow and you know steams coming out of the, out of the um, out of this this crater. So you see them go down to the, the crater, and in the spaceship, which is crash landed there is a baby inside there we go this is the beginning of the movie so they adopt him and they call him brandon and then of course they also hide the spaceship in their barn which you know brandon's parents basically tell him as he gets older stay away from the barn you know it, and i don't know whether so much they they tell him to stay away because they've padlocked it and chained it and stuff like that and it could be just one of those things where they just say it's extremely dangerous don't go there there's chemicals whatever so there's there's a good way of you know trying to keep them away now it's really interesting the opening of this movie to the opening of superman is almost identical you know you've got you know superman's little you know, pod that crash lands to Earth and is found by the Kents. Same sort of situation with Tori and Kyle. So, you know, it's it's identical. And of course, where the, where do they hide the uh, spaceship? They put it in the barn. Where did uh, Superman or where did uh, you know Clark Kent find the green crystal of Krypton? In the barn, which was hidden. So you know, there there's a lot of similarities in this movie. So we now fast forward, and I love how these movies fast forward. You see, you know, him growing up. And him as a baby, and you see him wearing, you know, overalls, and Tori saying, "Oh, you're looking like Daddy." And then, you know, you see him with a little toy tractor that uh, he sits on, and he digs, you know, uh, stuff. So it, it's all it's basically a whole lot of family videos that they're they're taking, and you see them, you know, very excited about how Brandon is growing up. And then we fast forward twelve years later, so twelve years of age at his birthday, he begins to realize that he's got exceptional strength. And the only reason that he actually figures this one out is that, uh, and it's, it's just just by accident that this happens. So he's helping his father, you know, do a couple of things in, in the uh, on the property. And he's fixing a door. And his father says to him, listen, I've got to go into town. Can you start the lawn mowing? And, you know, when I get back, I'll help you. And he's like, yep, yeah, no worries, that's fine. So you see Brandon, and, and like we've all had the struggle trying to pull start the the bloody um, lawnmowers god i hate those freaking things but anyway he's trying to pull start the lawnmower and, and he's pulling it and pulling it and it's just, it's just not turning over and at the last moment as he pulls it he literally throws the um the lawnmower a good distance i mean a fair way away from where he's standing and he, he has this look on his face like Holy crap, did I just do that? So he goes down to where the lawnmower is now, upside down and half destroyed, but the engine is running, so you've got the blade that is turning very, very fast. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if, you know, if you think to yourself that maybe you've thrown it a little bit too far, would you be willing to put your hand in it just to, chest, to, to test it? Well, Brandon does. So he's standing over the lawnmower, and the, the blade is you know, circulating quite at a, a good speed, and he stands there and he looks at it, and then he slams his hand into the blade. Now, we see it you know, explode. Well, not explode, but, you know, you put your hand in it and it just, you hear bang and it stops and there's smoke coming out of the out of the, uh, the lawnmower. Of course, Brandon lifts his hand up and sees that the blade has bent around his hand, but his hand is completely no problems at all. There's no mark, there's no nothing. He hasn't lost his arm, his, he hasn't lost his hand. So he's got this little look on his face, like this little wry little smile. As if to say, oh, okay, I figured something out here. Now, he doesn't have the ability to fly yet. He doesn't realize that he's got the ability yet. That's going to come later as we go um, along. But it's really interesting that, you know, his mother and father, you know, at one stage have said to each other, you, did, you know, you do realize that he's 
he's never bled he's never had a had a bruise whatever you know so we don't know what's happening with him you know we, and this is only because they start to talk about this because his mood starts to change so dramatically from a very sweet child to having anger and temper issues so you can really see that brandon is starting to really ramp up you know this this and i don't know whether you know his with his origin story and where he came from that maybe this is the the beginning just before you hit puberty where your your powers are coming to you and it's starting to to ramp up but you know as i said we're we're going to get to that one so we go back to school and brandon is academically ex exceptional so much so that his um aunt who is the guidance counselor at the school or not so much the guidance counselor um sort of like you know someone that you'd go to um, I don't know, maybe a therapist. I don't know. It's it's really not defined exactly how it is or what she is, but they she did say that you know he tested so high that a lot of the staff are just absolutely in awe of just how intelligent that he is. This conversation is going backwards and forwards because at one stage Brandon goes to a local diner to have his birthday party and they present him with an ice cream you know, ice cream sundae with a candle and he's like, oh, I don't want to do this. And they're like, oh, well, you know, maybe just slide it over to your father. He'll have it. So he does blow out the candle. And, you know, now as far as inappropriate, you know, presents go now, I've, I've been born and bred in Australia. Now, we don't have the frequency of guns that we do over in america now i've lived over in america so i do have experience that is my second home the united states so i do understand where you know you guys come from with regards to your love of firearms we don't have that over here in australia if you want to own a firearm really you've got to go to a gun club you've got to be registered you've got to keep the gun at a gun club unless you are on the land unless you're a farmer or whatever and then you're allowed to keep it um at home but anyway, we're having a really nice time at the birthday party. And of course, this is when Brandon's uncle, Uncle Noah, and his wife decide to give him what I consider to be a rather inappropriate uh, uh, present, which is a rifle. And, you know, this is where Kyle really says to Tori, no, 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 we're not having this. I mean, you know, Kyle's a hunter, but he understands that, you know, the gun safety and stuff like that. So he really becomes the, the alpha male as far as the father figure goes and says, no, we're not having this at all. And it's this time that the Brandon sort of like looks at him and says, give me my present. And he's like, excuse me, like, what the fuck? What, do you, what, do you, what did you just say to me? And, of course, when Brandon goes, give it to me, and he slams his hand down onto the table, there's computer games that are around him, you know, the, the old-style the old -style computer games that, that you play. Well, though the screens go off. <laughs> so, and he starts to cause a real, you know, amount of discomfort with everyone around him, all the patrons and even his family. And he, you know, he, he goes to, you know, say to his father, give me the present and when he says give me again the screens turn on and off it's all in the background of course so you can see what's going on it's, it's at this stage that uh, tori and kyle decide that's it brandon we're going home so it does get him to to you know go home and goes up to his room basically he's now being grounded or he's being chastised so the following day as i said we were now going to school and brandon as i said is academically an exceptional student but he's very awkward and frequently bullied and the only reason that he was bullied is because um there was a there was a, a question that was asked in the class and he not only answered it but he developed the answer so he really got to that point where he really thoroughly answered the question of the the um of the teacher of course all the kids around him basically said oh my god you know you're so you're such a geek you're so this you so that and um Caitlin, uh, a girl in his class, says to him, you know, she shows sympathy for him and says that, uh, don't worry about it, smart people will end up ruling the world. So Brandon, you can see, suddenly develops a bit of a crush on her, and so much so that he ends up by starting to stalk her in the middle of the night. Now, when I say stalking in the middle of the night, the um, his family, Tori and Kyle, decided to take him on a bit of a camping trip just to get him out of the house and, you know, have some have some quality time away from electronics, but, you know, just have some quality time. So at one stage during the night time, Tori wakes up while they're on their camp, this camping trip and, of course, you know, Brandon's nowhere to be found. So, you know, they get up, they get dressed, they got the torches trying to find him, but then we transition over to Caitlin's house and... Caitlin has a, a, her laptop computer and it starts playing a very lovely, you know, romantic sort of like song. Wakes her up out of a dead sleep. So she goes over to the computer, shuts the, the, um, 
shuts the screen and goes back to bed. Unfortunately, it opens up again playing the same song. So you realize that, you know, and, you know, anybody would sit there and go, well, hang on a minute. No, I closed that. So unless there's a ghost in my room, uh, <laughs> I know that I closed that, that computer. So she walks over to it again, closes it again, and puts some books on top of it. And as she's walking back to bed, you can see her curtain is blowing in the in the breeze of the window. And, of course, as it blows just right, you can see Brandon standing, you know, right against her window. And she, she catches a, a small glimpse of him and, you know, really lets out a scream. Her mother comes running into the room and says, you know, what's going on? And she's like, there's someone, you know, standing near the window. So we don't know whether, whether you know, Caitlin's mother and father are you know, divorced, separated, whatever, um, because there's no father on you know in the picture as far as Caitlin goes so her mother does go over to the window and you know brushes it open and of course there's nobody there and uh, and she does say you know you have to believe me there was someone there and she said well who 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 was there and she's like you know Brandon Breyer and and you know the mother's sort of like ta is taken aback a bit but doesn't really think you know too much of it of course then we transition back to the camping spot and Tori and Kyle are you know walking around trying to find where the hell Brandon is and then at that stage as Tori is walking through the forest turns you know backwards you know to go back to the campsite and there's Brandon standing right behind her so we don't we didn't see him fly but he can obviously he can fly a distance from where he is to where she was but we don't see it yet and it, it is coming and some of the best cinematography I have seen in the in the longest time is at the end of this movie and it really is I I've got a home cinema and I've got the very very big screen home cinema so what I saw is you know when he flies is absolutely amazing it, it, it's just it really brings it out and I'm, I'm sorry uh, you know those of you who don't have a home cinema but I just I'm so thankful that I've got the very big screen that I can see you know what I'm supposed to see uh, so a lot of the cinematography in this movie is really great when it comes to Brandon, his abilities, and you know the the way that he interacts with people. So we do see now that um, we go back to school and Brandon goes back to um, he's in PE class and they're doing a trust exercise where they stand, someone stands in the center, and the group surrounds him or surrounds him or her, and they you know, basically push them backwards and forwards. And it's a trust exercise to make sure that you're aware that nobody in your class is going to let you fall. And that's all going wonderfully well until Brandon has to go into the center. And you see that Caitlin is very, she's not very interested about helping to, to push him away. And so as he is going around the circle and he's you know, being pushed and you know, from everywhere else, it comes to Caitlin's turn. And unfortunately, Caitlin doesn't catch him. She moves out the way, causing Brandon to fall backwards and hit his head on the ground. Of course, you know, this doesn't go down very well with Brandon because the uh, the teacher does say to Caitlin, you know, come on, you know, I want you to um, help him up. And she accuses him of being a pervert. This is in the class, mind you. And uh, so she's, so the teacher is like, well, if you don't pick him up, if you don't help him up, you're going to fail this class. So she puts her, she exists, extends her hand out to help Brandon up. But of course, Brandon, very frustrated by her accusations, grabs a hold of her hand, but he will not come up with her. And she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it's at this, that stage that Brandon crushes her hand and breaks it. And it's like, holy crap. So we do see now that um, he's now been taken to the principal's office. And you see that Tori and Kyle are there speaking with not only the principal but with Caitlin's mother and the local sheriff and it's it's basically showing that uh, Brandon is going to be ex uh, not expelled suspended for the next two days and you know Caitlin's mother is right she's like um, no I don't want him that just that I want him in handcuffs and arrested and it starts to go backwards and forwards of a conversation and obviously they know that he's been adopted and this is when Erica Caitlin's mother comes out with you know we don't don't even know who his real parents are and it's at this stage that Tori does say to her does say to Erica um I'm his real mother now I do understand that Erica is very upset and very you know angry about the situation with uh, Caitlin you know being you know having her arm broken but I think it's extremely uh, inappropriate for Erica to come up with the fact of, oh, well, we don't even know who his real mother is. I mean, whether you are adopted 
you know, or not. The fact is that, you know, the person that adopts you from an, an adoption agency, you are their, their mother. So, you know, it it just stands to reason that you are the mother. That's all there is to it. But they, at that stage, you know, Erica is like, you know, we don't even know who her real mother is. Well, you know, this is going to come back and unfortunately bite Erica well and truly in the arse. So we now see that Brandon is, is uh, he's obviously been suspended and he's at home. And it's at this time that he is... We don't know that he's sleepwalking. That's the whole thing. Is that he seems to be? I mean, he's definitely drawn to the um, the barn, but we, it's not so much sleepwalking. It's just being drawn to it. Because at one stage, you know, he was sleep. Well, with, they said he was sleepwalking towards the barn, and he woke up out of the out of the blue because Tori was there, seeing him continuously pulling on the area that had been secured with chain uh, with the chain and with the padlock. And of course, when she shakes him to wake him up, he's like, oh my God, where, where am I? Where am I? And that's when she says, oh, I think you were just sleepwalking. But at this stage right now, we see that he's asleep in his bed, but then all of a sudden he has sort of like an, almost like a fit in his bed and he's shaking and, you know, he's, it, there's something going on with him and you could, you can see that the red light of the barn is getting more and more intense. And it's at this stage that he, you know, completes his fit or whatever he was doing and then his eyes you know open up and then of course he's got these very very dull red eyes we see that now he's at the barn and he's pulling on the chain which he does happen to completely break open and opens up the doors and he is just enveloped or enveloped enveloped in a huge amount of red light so now we realize that he has discovered um, what he's been looking for all along is at this stage that as he's finding this he's actually saying this phrase over and over again and we can't really understand what he's saying at this moment but anyway Tori wakes up out of us out of her sleep and sees the red light of the barn and goes to find where the hell he is and she discovers that him there he is levitating you know above this pit of where the um where the spaceship has been hidden and as she goes to reach for him he almost breaks out of the trance and falls down and as he falls towards the ship he puts his arm out, obviously, to stop him, to brace himself from you know, injuring himself, and he cuts himself on the ship. And, of course, this is when Tori sits down with him, and, you know, she's trying to reassure him, you know, it's okay, everything's fine. And this is when he asks her exactly where he's from. Now, this reveal is very much, you know, the way that she says it. Now, I'm going to play two, two sound grabs. I'm going to play the reveal of, you know, this whole thing with regards to Brandon. But if you listen to, there's a segment of, you know, you're here for a reason. Then I'm going to play the 1978 little sound grab of Superman. And it is virtually identical. But this is the opening of what happened when Tori was speaking to Brandon on the discovery of the ship that was being hidden in her barn. Who am I? What is this? Where did I come from? I know it's been difficult for you lately that you feel different from other kids. You are different. After your dad and I got married, we prayed and prayed for a baby for so long. To God, to the universe, to anyone that would listen and then... One perfect night, someone listened. We did not adopt you from an agency. You came here, arrived here. We found you in the woods. You were just a little guy all alone. You could barely breathe and so we you in and you have been a gift my baby boy I, I can't even imagine how overwhelmed you must feel right now but you have to know that your dad and I we believe that you came here for a reason that you are special and that you you're gonna do incredible you lied to me we, we just wanted to take care of you and we always planned you lied to me you lied I hate you! You lied to me! You liars! Everything you lied! I hate you! What's I hate this on place! What's going on? He found 
Both. Both people. Take the world. Take the world. Now, when you're hearing him saying the very strange words until he figures it out that it says, take the world, when he finally figures out that's what it says, take the world, his eyes become incredibly red, and then he then screams, and as you heard in that uh, that sound grab, he screams, and there's a huge amount of light, and it's it's the heat vision that Superman has, that it comes straight out of his eyes. So we realize now that he knows exactly who he is, and exactly how much he can fuck up people right now. Now, that sound grab when she says, you know, you're here for a reason, that is very much similar, very much similar. That's great English, Paul, great English. I'm sure there are people sitting here listening to this now going, no, that's not English either. Don't understand that. Now, this is exactly word for word, not word for word, but it's the same phraseology as what happened in Superman. So this is the little sound grab of the 1978 movie Superman when, you know, obviously... Clark speaks to his dad about, you know, about what's going on. Um, I didn't mean to show off, Pa. Yeah, I know. You can do all these amazing things and sometimes you think that you will just go bust unless you can tell people about it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, every time I get the football, I can make a touchdown. <laughs> that's for sure. Every time. Yeah. I mean, is it showing off and somebody's doing the things he's capable of doing. Is, no. is a bird showing off when it flies? No. No, now, you listen to me. When you first came to us, we thought that people would come and take you away because when they found out, you know, the things you could do, and that worried us a lot. But then a man gets older and he thinks very differently and things get very clear. And there's one thing I do know, son, and that is you are here for a reason. I don't know whose reason, whatever the reason is, you know, maybe it's because, um, I don't know, it's, uh, but I do know one thing, it's not to score touchdowns. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Now, obviously, everyone heard that, so, you know, that's exactly the way it was, and this is why I think a lot of this movie takes a lot of, uh, a lot from um, Superman, and it's interesting because this movie, that someone asked, you know, is this movie more DC or more Marvel, and apparently the guy did say this is very heavily, you know, influenced by DC, so you can see this is the, this is the non-hero form of Superman, but so we realize now that Brandon knows exactly who he is. The father, obviously, he knows that Brandon knows, though the whole family is now in an up, basically being uprooted as far as, holy shit, you know, he, he realizes this. So now we also see that he pays a visit, Brandon does, over to Caitlin's house, and he does, you know, say to he does go into the room. He doesn't even make a, a habit of uh, hiding anymore. He just goes in there, and, you know, poor old Caitlin, she's sitting on her bed. She's got her laptop up, and, you know, she's got her broken arm. And uh, that wherever Brandon goes, there's uh, there's electric electrical interference. You know, her laptop is going a little bit sketty wonkers. So she goes to close the the thing, and there's Brandon standing there with a nice bunch of little flowers for her, and says, you know, uh, I'm just here. I bought you some flowers, and she's like, I'm not supposed to talk to you. And uh, he he says, Oh, yeah, I didn't mean to, whatever. And she he goes, you know, my my mother doesn't want me to talk to you. And, she, and he goes, Oh, that's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of that situation. You know, very very soon but he does say that you know i've realized now tonight that i am special and i'm going to show the world just how special as i am and he says uh, you're one of the only people that know how special i am so now you can almost see once again superman and lois lane brandon and caitlin it's sort of like it's playing so close to the superman you know ethos of this movie so we do see that we transition over to the diner where um, caitlin's mother erica is working and she's closing up for the night. And this is one of those part of the parts of the movie that cringes you <laughs> a little bit. But, but I mean, before we get there, let's let's just say before we get there, Brandon, you know, when he had been suspended from school, he was sitting um, outside and he was doodling in his in his um, in his notebook, and he was drawing this the symbol, and it is a backwards B and a front and a and a regular B combined together with a line through it so it's oh, it's almost like he's calling 
And, you know, Tory did happen to see him writing this and he closed it very, very, very quickly, you know. So now we're seeing that when we're at uh, the diner, we're seeing the same amount of electrical interference. And we're also seeing that all the, the windows become uh, it's like frosted and we see the same symbol written on every part of the window. So now we realize that Brandon has made his triumphant entrance into the uh, the diner. Now, it was really interesting when they were leaving with, with Brandon after he'd been suspended. He gave this look to... Um, to Caitlin's mother as if to say I'm gonna fuck you up because you know she had said I want him arrested and I want him in handcuffs and to, to the credit of the police officer he goes to her well I don't think that's your um that's your call unfortunately I'm not going to go and place him in handcuffs and I'm not going to do anything that the school was not willing to do so you know just sit down and shut the hell up so really Brandon gives Erica the look like I'm going to really fuck you up so now we're at the diner and uh, so she is wandering around all over the place seeing all this all the symbols in the in the windows and then of course as the electrical disturbance is happening she happens to look up and one of the overhead um, light globes explode and all these shards of glass go everywhere and one goes straight into her eyeball and this is like holy crap and even so to the state that she she literally pulls one of the shards of glass out of the center of her eye and it squirts out a, a brilliant amount of blood and so now this temporarily blinds her in one eye so you can see that and the way that they actually the movie is shot now it's from a point of view of her. So you've got one side that is red and discolored and you know, you can't gain, you, you, there's no depth perception. You can't see really anything. The other, the other eye is, is, you know, it's still okay, but it's very, very fuzzy. So now we've got little glimpses of Brandon, you know, standing there and he's got this really, really creepy mask on, you know, that obviously he's wearing as Brightburn. So, you know, he does, you know, superhumanly fly around the place you know he's very very quick he's almost like got the the flash sort of uh speed and she's you know she's got a baseball bat from underneath the counter so she's swinging the baseball bat around trying to get him away eventually she runs into the back part of the the diner and goes into a freezer and locks herself in so you think okay well now you've just painted yourself into a corner what where else are you going to go um and all of a sudden you see that the door is being heat visioned out um you know a straight line and then of course the the door then explodes and is pulled outwards. And then, of course, we see from her point of view that she's standing looking at, at Brandon, who is a, a considerable uh, you know, distance away from her. Then all of a sudden, you see him just leap forward and attack her, and then the screen goes transitions to the, the next scene. So, of course, we're now seeing the police are investigating this. What they, th they discover is, is not a robbery because there was still money on the counter they had no idea of where the hell she's gone they can just see the, the the destruction of the door they can see that you know no one's there the money is still there so where the hell did she go well it just so happens that one of the police officers the main officer happens to walk over towards the window and says what, what's that and breathes on the window and sees this insignia written on the window so he takes a photograph of it so we can see that uh, I think maybe someone's got an idea of what the hell is going on we now transition back to the school the next day and uh, you know there's um, Brandon's aunt and she's talking to Brandon and he's and of course this is after the two-day suspension and she's like saying to him listen you know I know I'm your aunt but I'm also you know part of the school um, you know authority so I need to ask you you know how you're feeling and do you have any you know, real remorse about what happened to Caitlin? And he really displays no remorse whatsoever. And she's like, well, listen, I really, if, you know, the police are going to want to ask me, uh, or is going to come back and ask me, you know, how your progress is of whether you've got, you know, um, some remorse or things. And if you can't, if you can't just, you know, show remorse, I'm going to have to write that down on a report and it's going to go further. So we really see that Brandon's like, oh, okay, you know, that's that's fine, no problems. And he leaves the office. So we're thinking to ourselves that maybe this is probably not a good good idea to start, you know, tackling Brandon because he can do things that uh, everyone else can't do. So that night, we're at the bar and we've got, you know, uh, Brandon's um, uncle, Uncle Noah, and he's got his father and a couple of other friends and they're just playing, you know, shooting pool. And uh, Brandon's uh, uncle, uh, Uncle Noah, has been drinking quite a quite a lot, and you know Brandon's father, 
what's his name again? Kyle says to him, listen, how about I just drive you home? And he's like, no, no, I'll be fine. I can drive home. And he's like, no, no, seriously, I can drive you home. And he's like, no, I'll, I'll do it. Now, as this is all happening, we see that Brandon has an unannounced um, arrival at his aunt and uncle's house. And it really is not to say, hi, how... And this is like later in the evening, like really later in the evening. And it's not a, just hi, how are you? I was in the neighborhood. It was a warning to his aunt saying that, you know, you can't tell my parents what we discussed and there is no way in hell that you are going to be telling the police. And she's like, you know, Brandon, I have to tell them. I have to tell the police that, you know, you've got no empathy, you know, you're not feeling bad about Caitlin and they're going to want to know about my report. And he said, listen, telling my parents is a bad idea, but telling them, uh, telling the police about me is a very bad idea and it's very, very bad for you. And it's, it's, it's you know, a, a subtle little warning. Don't do it or I'm going to fuck you up. So she's like, you know, Brendan, just go home. So he goes, okay. And he just, you know, walks off. So now we see that, uh, um, Uncle Noah has arrived back at the house, and he you know, comes into the to the bedroom. His wife's now asleep, and he kisses her just on the cheek, and he he's brushing his teeth, and he goes into the, <laughs> goes into the closet to get his pajamas, and you know when he turns on the light, you know most jump scares we see with you know the bad guy that you know you'll see them standing there in the corner, then as soon as the light goes on, they jump and attack. Well. Uncle Noah turns on the light and sees Brandon just standing there in his closet. And he goes, what the fuck? So he pulls off his um, you know, creepy little mask and he, he's taking him. He says, yeah, I'm taking you back to your parents. And he goes, oh, are you going to tell my parents? And he's like, yeah, you're lucky if that's all I do. Well, of course, as he says to um, Brandon to get into the truck, Noah goes around to the other side of the truck to get ready to drive him home. And Brandon is not getting into the truck with him. So he decides he's going to go back around and make Brandon get into the car, into the truck. So, of course, as he goes to turn turn him around and get him into the into the truck, Brandon has put on, once again, this creepy little you know, mask and um, with the telekinetic powers, basically throws him back against the garage door and then flies off. So it's at this stage that Noah thinks to himself that he's got to go and warn Tori um, and uh, and Kyle about this this the whole thing that's going on with Brandon and gets into the to the van so gets into the truck and starts driving off. Of course, now we know that there is something coming which is going to be pretty nasty, and I must admit that this is one hell of a awesome special effects. But man, it, it is gross as. But I and I, I loved it. <laughs> I'm one of those sadists to sit there and go, yeah. Give me more of this. I like it. So as he's driving along, you can see the electrical disturbance happening so much so that his his uh, truck um, run obviously you know just runs out of power. You know the, the headlights go off and stuff like that. And it's only caused through the fact that Brandon is you know getting closer and getting further away. It's so much so that Brandon flies into the truck um, and like hits the side of the truck and then flies away causing Noah to go off the side of the road and then comes back on out you know, onto the main road and of course the car or the truck then runs out of power. So then you know we're seeing from Kyle's point we're sorry we're seeing from Uncle Noah's point of view he's sitting there trying to restart his his truck and every time he goes to restart it his headlights will come illuminate just a little bit and at one stage we see that you know the headlights illuminate and there is Brandon standing in front of the truck but a little way away from it and then of course he goes to start the you know turn the the car over again or the the truck over again and the lights go out again the next thing we see that Noah turns on the the truck again the lights go on and this time Brandon is hovering above you know in front of him but just you know obviously hovering and of course this when Noah's like nope nope that's not gonna happen then of course all of a sudden we see that the truck is being lifted up from the back and it's Brandon that's holding the truck up and pulling him back and as he's you know he's going up further and further he's saying you know no no stop 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 and it's at this stage that Brandon lets go of the truck and of course it comes down you know nose first and of course at this stage there is you know, Noah in the middle of saying no, and he slams his face, or I guess his, his jaw, onto the steering wheel, which breaks his jaw in two. And it is absolutely gross. And, of course, then we see that Brandon walks over and is looking at his uncle, you know, slowly dying on the on the side of the road. And he grabs some blood from his, his jaw, um, from his uncle's jaw, and writes the insignia of Brightburn um, in the... Uh, in the bottom, oh sorry, on the on the pavement of the road, 
And of course, then at this stage, then we see that he's just looking at his at his um, at his nephew, and he is in so much pain, so much agony, and his his bottom of his jaw has completely broken away from from the rest of him. We then transition over to the hospital, where we're seeing that Kyle and uh, Tori are there with um, Noah's. Uh, wife and they're talking about the fact that you know this accident happened and they're like what happened and the police the police are saying that uh, it was due to the fact that he lost control and uh, he was trying to swerve to hit a deer and of course you know she says to um you know kyle listen was he drinking and he goes oh two or three drinks but he was fine he was okay and of course we realize now that after this you know because the doctors are not allowing them to to see what's going on we find out the following day that that noah has actually passed away however Tori and Kyle want to, um, you know, give you know uh, Brandon the, the the bad news and wants to see his reactions because you know something's really going on with him. We know, yeah, you know, they know that who he is, they know what he is, but they want to find out exactly, you know, what sort of reaction they're going to get, and they've got their suspicions about you know what has happened, but they want to you know, confront Brandon and tell him, you know, that his uncle has, has passed away. Morning, baby. Um, listen, there's something that we need to discuss with you, and uh, it's probably going to be hard to hear. Last night, your Uncle Noah... He died last night. Okay. understand your uncle Noah passed away he's gone I feel like you want me to cry or something do you want to cry Brandon we know you were at Aunt Marilee's last night honey I'm your mom I will always defend you but if you know something about what happened to Noah, you need to tell us. I don't know what happened to him, but I would never hurt Uncle Noah. I love him. That is bullshit. He is fucking lying. Kyle. Look, we know you were there. What else are you lying to us about? Can you calm down? Were you in Caitlin's bedroom? He was camping with Where us. Where were you Wednesday night when Caitlin's mom went this missing? This is not helping. He's lying to our fucking faces. I'm going to go upstairs. You're, no, no, you're not. You're not going anywhere until we get all this on the table. Right here. Kyle, right I right will now. handle no, it. No, no, no. Did you hurt Noah? What did you do to him? He was my friend. And you just Bring fucking... Him so as we can hear, there's absolutely no empathy and no emotions that, that Brandon is now showing. So really, there, there's no way that there's going to be any sort of, you know, discussion with him of what's going on. And when they did actually send Brandon back up into his, into his room, you know, there's uh, poor old Tori is like saying to saying to Kyle, are you, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. I mean, this kid just absolutely launched, you know, his father backwards and, you know, shattered a, a, a dresser or not a dresser, a... Um, where the, where, the, where the China is. So it's like, holy crap. Like, he really launched him. So there's really no way around. You can't chastise this kid. There's no reasoning with this kid. This, this is, it's, all, it's all been lost. But, of course, when he did come home, you know, from that night, he did say to his mother and father that I'd been playing but you know, playing soccer and I lost track of time. Uh, but he was he was topless. And he, he was just holding his T-shirt. And his mother says, I'll, you know, I'll grab that and I'll wash it. And he's like, no, no, no I'll, I'm fine. And he runs it upstairs. So at this stage, after he's attacked his father, his father goes up into the into the bedroom. And of course, luckily, luckily for him, Brandon is in the middle of having a shower. And he starts rummaging around his, his room and he finds the T-shirt that Brandon was wearing that actually has blood on, on it, which is an idea that he's actually done something to Noah. Of course, at this stage, you know, while he's rummaging around the room, Brandon happens to come in, come back into the room and Kyle's like, oh, just sorry, I didn't mean to do what I did. I didn't mean to argue at you. It's just, you know, oh, I didn't mean to yell at you, but, you know, I'm very emotional with regards to Noah. But, you know, I'll listen, I'll get out of your head. You know, get out of your hair. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to. So he takes uh, Tori into the bedroom and he says, this is what I, I found in Brandon's room. He said, it's got blood on it and it's Noah's blood. And she's like, no, I'm sorry, that's that's 
that's bullshit. That's not gonna that's not gonna fly with me. And he's like, we don't know who he really is. We don't know what he's capable of. What else he can do, and who else he can he can hurt. And she's like, I am not gonna go down this path. And he's like, we have to do something. And she's like, no, I don't care what you're saying. We are not doing anything. Just you know, leave me alone. So we realize now that uh, Kyle's got some ideas and he says to, to, to Tori, listen, I think maybe tomorrow I'm going to take him on a father-son hunting trip into the woods, you know, make us, you know, reconnect with each other and really get together again. And, and she's very, very excited about this. And of course, we realize that there's some ulterior motive that Kyle's actually got. So he takes her, he takes him into the woods and they're just walking around and you see that Brandon's leading the way, but Kyle's sort of like hanging back and he's, he's taken his rifle with him. And so he's hanging back a distance and Brandon's, you know, very caught up with, oh, there's, there's, there's tracks of this animal and there's more than one or whatever. And uh, it's at this stage that you see that Kyle raises his rifle and attempts to shoot and kill Brandon with the, with the hunting rifle. But unfortunately, the execution fails when the bullet bounces off the back of Brandon's head. And of course, at this stage, Brandon realizes that this is what's, you know, this was the reason that you were bringing me out here. And of course, at this stage, he's standing looking at his father with a whole lot of rage. And of course, there is Kyle trying to reload his rifle. And he does successfully reload it and lifts it up to find that Brandon has disappeared. And of course, as he's running, of course, you know, this is when Kyle goes, oh shit. So he starts to run away from where Brandon is. But you see the odd occasional you know, fleeting thing of him flying through the through the uh, through the air. It's at this stage that Brandon then lands in front of his father, and he's like, "I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Don't don't hurt me, please, please, please." And uh, Brandon goes to his father, grabs a hold of his of his neck, and blasts his heat vision straight through into his eyes and straight out the back of his head, killing him. So I was like, "Holy crap!" Like this kid is definitely Superman in reverse for sure. I mean, there's just no way, no way around it. So we then transition back to the house and a sheriff arrives at the Briars and asks to see Brandon. And of course, Tori tells the sheriff that Kyle and Brandon are not home. And he shows Tori the symbol he found at the scene of Erica and Noah's deaths. And so Tori's like, oh, well, I don't know what that's all about. And he's like, going to come inside. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, no, I don't think so. So he goes, okay, well, you know, it's going to happen. I'll be back. And he, he takes off. It's at this stage that Tori goes upstairs and finds Brandon's notebook. And the, in, the, in the notebook, there's the drawings of his murders and the same symbol that the sheriff found at both of the murder sites. And the message, which is take the world. And it's really interesting because... You see a picture of the world exploding with Brandon hovering above it in outer space, firing his heat vision towards the Earth. So, and the Earth is exploding. So you can see see that exactly what he's capable of. And there's also a scene that he's written in the book where he's actually hovering. And it looks like a whole lot of demons or whatever are beneath him. And he's like the supreme being. So it's at this stage that Tori realizes that this is this is real. Brandon did do this because it shows you um, the execution of uh, Erica. It shows you poor old um, uh, poor old uh, Noah's mouth broken open where the car had been dropped from a great height. So it really shows you that, yes, he's actually um, he's actually behind this. So she really does begin to believe Kyle that we need to, to stop him. So she tries to call Kyle, um, but unfortunately Brandon answers the phone and she says, you know, where's dad? And he goes, dad's gone. And she goes, uh, where are you, Brandon? And he goes, I am home. And you see him hovering in the sky with the cell phone and he breaks it and he's hovering above the house. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so it's at this stage that Tori decides that she's going to call 911 and try. And, and I love this bit of the cinema. This two scenes is in the cinematography is absolutely amazing. I absolutely love it. So you see that he's hovering, and this is dusk going into nighttime, that he's hovering above the house, making the phone call to his mother. So, you know, she rings 911 to try and get um, some help. But of course, as she, you know, gets connected to 911, you see Brandon flies through one side of the house and, and breaks it apart, and then flies back through the other side of the house and breaks it apart. So you, you can see that he is absolutely fucking pissed and I'm about to kick your ass. So it does ha so happen that the police do arrive, but unfortunately, as the deputy and the sheriff arrives, that he's they're both killed by Brandon. So Tori's hiding underneath the bed, trying to make herself as quiet as possible, where you see Brandon come into the room, into his bedroom, because that's where Tori was, was hiding under the bed, and he's sort of like hovering, so you, she can see that he can fly. So at one stage, he realizes that he that she may be hiding under the underneath the bed, 
and you see him look under the bed to try and find her, but of course she's not there. We see that Erica has is out of the out of the bedroom window and is hot, you know, hovering there and, and drops down to the ground. But as she goes down and hits the ground, she cuts her hand and she says to herself, "Oh my God, the ship! It cut him." So there's you know his kryptonite that we can actually get rid of him. So she runs to the um, to the barn, but as she's running towards the barn, you see in the background Brandon flies out of the out of the um, the house, destroying part of the house. And you can see him hovering in the sky. So she's running like anything towards the barn to try and get into get a shard of the of the ship, which she actually does do. She actually breaks a part of the ship off and gets back out of the out of the uh, where the where the ship's been uh, hidden. And she's confronted by Brandon, who's standing behind her. She decides to give him a little bit of a, of a speech that unfortunately doesn't go to plan. Mom? Brandon? Listen to me. I have never stopped loving you. I believe. I still believe. You were a blessing that fell to this earth. <laughs> when we found you, you were so tiny and fragile. And all we could do was keep you safe. Whatever you I know there is good inside you. I want to do good, Mom. I do. And you will. You will always be. My baby boy. Breaking news at this hour, a passenger jet has crashed in the small town of Brightburn, Kansas. Details are still coming in, but there are believed to be no survivors among the 268 passengers on board. Investigators are not yet sure what caused the plane to drop suddenly from the sky and crash into this small family farm. Among the reported dead are the residents of the farmhouse, Kyle and Tori Breyer. They are survived by their 12-year-old son, Brandon. So as we could hear, you know, she does try to attempt to stab Brandon with part of the ship, but unfortunately that doesn't seem doesn't go to plan because he senses that she's going to do something. So she he grabs a hold of her arm and flies her high up into the sky. And this is where I love the cinematography because you see that not only does as as he crashes through the the, the roof of the farmhouse, but it takes her so far up into the sky. You know, she's she's her face and 
head is bloodied and stuff like that. And as they fly, as he flies her up as high as he wants to go, you see her just lovingly stroke his his face as if to say, "I still love you. I'm so sorry for this. You know, this this is happening." And then, of course, at this stage, he then ceremoniously drops her from the huge altitude that he's that he's flown her up to. And this is the um, another part of the, the wonderful cinematography because as he drops her. And you can see her falling from his point of view. You look look up from where she is, and she's seeing him hovering high up into the sky. So it's like a, it's a different perspective. You're watching her fall, but you're watching her looking up as he as she's falling away from him. It's the next stage that you see an oncoming airplane coming towards him, and then of course you know you you know you've got the the headlights of the plane, and then suddenly nothing happens. It just fades to black, and then we go to the as you heard, the farmhouse where, you know, the, the following morning the aeroplane has uh, mysteriously crashed into the farmhouse, destroying the evidence of his murders and the previous night. And it's interesting because on the part of the fuselage of the uh, aircraft, you see the the letters BB written you know, forward and backwards as his insignia on one of the fuselage in blood. So I was like, okay. And he's just sitting on the tailgate of a uh, ambulance, sitting there having a chocolate chip cookie. So it's like, he's got no remorse whatsoever. Now, I love the fact that in the credits scene, Brandon, now being identified as Brightburn, is seeing from the perspective of news reports um, and eyewitness footage over the locations of various disasters, such as a building collapse and wildfires as they happen. And an online conspiracy theorist posts his own videos analyzing the disasters and referring the attacks by other cryptoids elsewhere in the world. And I see, and there's also an awesome thing of, there's a huge field in, uh, in you know, rural Kansas, which has had the, the insignia of Brightburn burnt into the uh, into the field so it really gives you an idea of that this could really be made into a sequel of the anti-hero hero but you know as far as i'm concerned it's a great movie i i thoroughly enjoy this one and uh, if it's between zero to five buckets of blood zero being how do i get the last 90 minutes of my life back to five it was a perfect movie and i'd watch it all over again i can't give it a five it's not perfect but it's fun to watch, so I would def definitely give it a 3 out of 5. It's it's a fun movie. It's got some great jump scares. It's got some great gore and, you know, that sort of thing. But it's got a good underlying story to it. So if you really think of it as the anti-Superman, you'll, you'll thoroughly enjoy it. You really will. Look, before we finish this podcast, we have to do Paul's Fun Facts. <laughs> So there's certainly a decent amount of trivia for Brightburn. I'm only going to go through a couple because I don't want to bore you guys with a huge amount of trivia. But the mask that Brandon wears seems partially inspired by wasps. An early classroom scene, he talks about how certain wasps place their young in separate hives, getting others to feed them. This is a clear parallel to this situation. And speaking about the, the wasp sort of situation, in class when describing wasps, Brandon says that wasps are more aggressive than bees. They work in groups to attack and the one species forces other insects to raise its young. This becomes clear with the anthology that Brandon has of his alien species of origin as they left him to be raised by human parents and later instruct him to dominate his surroundings. So I like how there's a, a nice little parallel between, you know, what he was talking about in class to how he has become now with his, uh, with his alien um, superpowers. Now, if any of you are living around the Stockbridge, Georgia area, you can certainly take a, a bit of a wander down to the middle school where this movie was shot when he was going to school. And this is now the defunct Patrick Henry High School in Stockbridge, Georgia. This is the same location used for both Hawkins Middle and Hawkins High School in seasons one and two of Stranger Things. So, you know, if you're around that area, take a wander down. That's where the school is. So now Brandon Breyer's name follows the classic comic book convention of superheroes with first and last names such as Clark Kent, Peter Parker, Bruce Banner. So I like how they've continued, you know, that one on. Brightburn is mentioned as being in Kansas, where is and which is where Kal-El landed and grew up to become Superman. So you can see there's a definite, uh, nice little little uh, homage to to Superman. And as I said, that was very evident in the speech that Tori uh, gave Brandon when she was saying that you were a gift or you know you were here for a reason. 
exactly what happened with Superman. And just one final one to end the podcast, and it does hark once again back to Superman. So Superman traditionally stands for Truth, Justice, and the American Way. The essay Caitlin is writing when she is visited by Brandon is The Decline of Truth and Justice in the Modern World. So you can really see there is a, a definite parallel between the two. Anyway, look, thank you very much for coming to visit me once again at the Horror Crypt Podcast, and thank God this is a this is a, a great episode, because there's been a couple of episodes that have been eh, not too bad, but, you know, I, I, I think these movies, this one particularly, is one that really makes you stop and think of what would happen if, you know, a person was able to come to Earth like this, whether they would actually stand for, for truth and justice and help us out, or whether they would become our overlord sort of situation. <laughs> But look, remember, if you want to get in touch with me, um, creepy at thehorrorcrypt.com. That's my direct email. But you can still go with horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com. And remember, now, next week is episode number 100. Now, has anyone been thinking about what movie I'm going to be doing? Now, have a, have a think about this. The movie is a and the first one and the second one. It doesn't go any further than that. So there's only part one and part two of this movie. Now, if you send me an email and get it correct, you are able to get a brand new Horrorcrypt t-shirt. Now, obviously, it's brand new because I'm not about, not about to wear it, but you'll get your very own Horrorcrypt t-shirt. So remember, next week is episode number 100. Now, it's going to be broken into two parts because it's a very big movie, and I don't want to you know, have you sitting here for four hours, so it's going to be broken up into two parts. But as I said... There is a part one, so there's the original movie and part two of that movie. It doesn't go any further. If you can guess it correctly, you'll get your very own Horror Crypt t-shirt. In the meantime, thank you very much once again for coming to visit me. And as I say every single week, and I'll say it one more time, I'll creep you later. Mm-hmm.